Welcome to Dram Talk, pour a dram, take a seat, and let's talk whiskey. I'm Brad. And I'm Daniel. And we are putting on a whiskey novice cheat sheet for this episode. So this is kind of, I suppose, aimed more towards people who are relatively new to the world of whiskey. Um, If you just wanted kind of a um, glossary and index for some of the terms you may see, the phrases you may hear, um, but also just to help you kind of know, like have a starting point for the questions to ask, whether you're going to a whiskey bar, whether you're looking at buying your first bottle of whiskey, or if you've got friends who are really into whiskey and you're thinking maybe you want to dabble your your toes in this in this pool, we'll give you, I suppose, the trivia, tools, facts, terminology, and tips to at least step into it with a some degree of confidence. Yeah, and something you might have left out there as well, where it's just maybe you're going to a whiskey tasting as well. And like, yeah. sure, you, you maybe don't need this episode going into it, but I'm not going to say that because obviously we want you to listen to the episode, but you know, going into a whiskey tasting, not all of them will always give you a background into whiskey as well. Some of them will kind of assume a base level of knowledge. And that could probably be depending on the tasting that you're going to as well, right? Yeah, and we've all we've all been to those things when we're maybe getting into a new hobby or we're kind of just like um, joining a friend in something they're really into that we think we may have a shared interest in. And then you kind of feel like you're thrown in the deep end where people are throwing around words, they're talking about tasting notes in the case of whiskey, and you're like, I, I, I'm kind of at a loss here. I wish I had a better, better base... Uh, knowledge to to work on so i suppose that's kind of where we're hoping to what we're hoping to provide you with in this episode so yeah because i'd say there's probably nothing worse than either maybe going to a whiskey bar and maybe like you're in a wider group of friends and you'll think like let's try something new or you've got like one particular friend that really likes whiskey and they're maybe trying to get you into it and get like your wider friend group into it and you're all kind of like, all right, let's let's go along and I'll play ball here. And yeah, there's nothing worse than feeling like, like, what do I do here? What do I order? And even worse when I say like, if you're doing it at a friend's house, it's like, am I being rude by not having a drink or sharing a drink with them? Or I don't even know what I'd want to ask for, even at the, yeah. whether that be at the bar or at um at their house and because at their house of course it, it'll be vastly different in that probably most of the whiskey they have is tailored to their own palate as opposed to being able to you know cater to everyone's um palates and what they have appealed to and what they want to drink um so yeah it can be very difficult and at the same time very daunting yeah and we've all like i'm I'm sure you have as well, Brad, had when you've either had a friend come over who has no idea about whiskey, or even if you go out to a bar with them and you can almost see their eyes glaze over as like, I am overwhelmed with the amount of sensory information I'm getting. I don't know where to start. And you're like, they're almost, they're almost screaming for help. So like in those cases, we usually take the lead, but I suppose this episode is aimed to give you the tools to help you help us help you. Yeah. Exactly. And before we jump into the episode, let's just have a quick look at what we got in the glass today. So unfortunately, because we want to give you guys a jam-packed condensed episode full of info, we aren't necessarily going to review these whiskeys, but they'll probably appear in the pod. They'll probably appear on the pod 
in some other form in a much longer episode where we can actually sit and, you know, stew and masticate all the <laughs> goodness of these particular whiskies. So, uh, Daniel, what do you got in the glass? Yeah, so I've got a compass box bottling here. This is a blended whiskey, a uh, blended Scotch whiskey. Um, I should make explicitly clear. It is the Glasgow blend. It's sherry, smoky, and bold. So they don't go into too much detail about how many distilleries go into this one and what ones there are. But it was primarily aged in Oloroso sherry season butts, American oak hogsheads, and ex-bourbon barrels. It yeah. is non-chill filtered, nice. natural color, and 43%. So I suppose some of those terminologies that I've just gone through there, we've gone through in the previous videos, but we'll also try and cover them in quick succession later on. What about you, Brad? Yeah. What have you got in your glass? So I've got a December release from the Whiskey Club, which is the Westwood Vintage Musket Cask. Now, if you're a avid listener of the pod, you know how much Daniel and I champion Westwood. So mm -hmm. when I saw that... Uh, December of last year's Whiskey of the Month was going to be a Westwood. It was going to be very, very hard to turn down. And I've turned down a Westwood before, and I'm pretty sure I'm never making that mistake ever again. So, yeah, this one here, it's no age statement, but it is finished in musket casks from Rotha Glen in um, Australia and being able to get one of their casks as well to age of whiskey and I'd, I'd say is no small feat so the fact that the whiskey club can do that you know it's props to them and honestly i really really like this dram it's one that i actually find myself going back to quite often and yeah it's it's really good and i think the last time we had this was at christmas actually so yeah super feeding dram because it's got all the fruity notes it's got a bit of um some Christmas cake as well there in the in the back. Really, really good. But this one here is sitting at 52.5%. So a tad bit more than what Daniel's sipping on, but yeah. No shade? No shade? I, I felt a bit of shade. <laughs> so yeah, the particular area, like I said, the musket casks were from within uh, Ruther Glen. But so that's like the region. The actual vineyard was Stanton and Killeen Vineyard. So you ever in that particular area and you want to go to the particular vineyard that this bottle was from or you're you already live there then i uh, go on down and check out stanton and killing uh vineyard and get a bottle of musket i don't think you're going to get yeah. a bottle of whiskey there <laughs> <laughs> good tips there but i feel like that was that was a lot of information for an episode where we're going to be trying to cram a whole bunch of um <laughs> trivia and facts into such a small condensed yeah uh pod <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of condensing a bunch of great information into a small and conveniently consumable package, if you haven't heard already, but Daniel and I, we've been trying a new energy shot called Magic Mind, and they're one of the sponsors of the pod. And, you know, I can't speak for Daniel, but honestly, I feel like um, my morning coffee is going that little bit further, just that extra mile uh, compared to before uh, when I wasn't drinking Magic Mind. And, you know, I'm, I think that's probably down to the matchup which is part of Magic Mind. It's one of the ingredients in it. And if you didn't already know, matcha has particular compounds that help extend the benefits of that morning coffee. Now, I can't go without a cup of coffee in the morning. I was usually at two and probably leaning towards getting a third cup in the middle of the day. 
And I'm just down to that one cup of coffee now in the morning because of Magic Mind. So that's that's pretty great. And after that third day, which is typically when you should see some of the other effects in Magic Mind, yeah, I feel locked in and ready to tackle the day. And I think it's just super convenient. And because of just the small packaging, like like we mentioned previously, it's super easy to make a part of your morning routine. Yeah, exactly. And I, I again, have done something similar where I've been like pairing it with my morning coffee. I usually finish off yeah. with it because one of the things I love about it is almost like that passion fruity aftertaste, Yeah. which as much as I love the taste of coffee, I, do, I don't like how it sticks around for so long. Whereas yep. this really felt like it, it freshened up that kind of morning routine and yeah, similarly just really helped kind of work in combination with the caffeine, just feel like kind of tuned in and just super focused for the day. Yeah. And if any of you are interested in feeling the benefits of Magic Mind, um, for our US listeners, you can go to your local Sprouts and find it on the shelves there, or you can take part in the great offer that Magic Mind have put together for us for January. And that's just going to let you start your new year right. So go to magicmind.com slash J-A-N Dream Talk. You'll get one month free when subscribing for three months. And with our code DREAMTALK20, it's an extra 20% off. And we'll even throw the link in the description for today's episode just to make it that little bit easier to find. January's almost over, so chop to it. <laughs> yeah, get to it. All right. Now, let's get in to our things to know. This would be like a lightning round of fast facts, I would say. We'll kind of, we've kind of split them up into some categories. Um, quick, quick terminology, then a quick definition. So... This is don't don't worry about like well one podcast is portable. You you've got that rewind button. You can just go back if you ever need to refresh your memory on on these these terms. But we just hope to kind of build that familiarity with things you'll hear or people say or you'll see written on bottles. So let's cover the types of whiskey to begin with, because I feel like that's the thing you're probably gonna hear about the most. Now, single malt whiskey. That is, that is a term that I feel like is thrown around a lot. And it took me a long time to actually really question what that actually meant and like seek out a definition for it. Single malt whiskey, that is whiskey that's made from a mash of 100% malted barley and it is distilled at a single distillery. Now, as opposed to something like a blended whiskey, which is a mix or a blend of whiskeys from two or more distilleries. And that's essentially what it comes down to, the difference between these two things, whether you're talking single malt or whether you're talking blend. Now, there may be other things you hear, like single grain whiskey, and that is just a whiskey that is made from a single grain from at a single distillery. And you'll you'll see similar things. You've got blended malt whiskey, which is a blend of single malt whiskies from two or more distilleries. And then you've got blended grain whiskey, which is a blend of single grain whiskey from two or more distilleries. And that's essentially what it boils down to is whether you're talking single something whiskey is just made from one distillery. If you're talking blends, it's a mix of different things from different distilleries. Now, the reason why they do this usually comes down to um, money making. <laughs> like <laughs> a lot of it, a lot of it is curating of flavors. Like, don't get me wrong. There is, there is a lot of thought and attention that goes into blends. I mean, like this Glasgow blend here is a, almost a prime example of that. Like this is better than some single malts I've had. So there's never, there's never, I, I wouldn't usually associate a quality attachment to these terms, but it also depends on 
Like that's something that I feel like if you're really wanting to get into it, you'll get to know as you delve further into these things. But if we're talking single, it's made from one distillery. If we're talking a blend, it's just a mix of more than one distillery. Yeah. And on the single malt whiskey, uh, just to tack it on there as well, where it's just because it's a single malt whiskey doesn't mean it was only made in the one cask. They'd have to specify single cask. So single cask. So that that can probably be a little confusing as well, <laughs> where some people might think, oh, okay, so this one whiskey was all made from whiskey in the same cask or was only aged in this one cask because it's you're seeing that word single in there. Like for example, single malt whiskey, like a 10-year-old could have two different malts from the same distillery in there. Yeah. You know, so and it still be, could be called a single malt whiskey. And we and we keep saying malt because that's just the term that's given to the malted barley, yeah. which is barley is the grain, and to malt it, it's where they lay it. They like put it in water until it starts to germinate, so it starts to like sprout. And the moment they do that, they lay it out on the on the kiln floor and they dry it. So they essentially stop it from growing into a plant. But that malting is essentially what it's doing is it's almost big. I'm, I'm probably delving too too yeah. much into the science of it without knowing fully, but it's like. At that germination stage, that's where it's starting to photosynthesize, where it's starting to convert oxygen into, or carbon dioxide into oxygen, and the byproduct of that can often be um, the production of sugars, and so that's giving it a lot of flavors. Um, at least that's my that's my understanding of it, based on what I can remember from distillery tours. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and but even that that ties into kind of that next thing where you might see this on a bottle and you might think, what the hell does that mean? And that's peated whiskey or um, just peat, like you see that word present on a bottle when you might be thinking, what does that mean? Um, and that's essentially a whiskey that has had peat burning during the malting process. And that typically will give a smoky characteristic. Now, it's not always smoky. Peat presents itself in many different forms, but smoky tends to be the one connotation that you typically will draw when you see peat. And if you're wondering what peat is, that is essentially decayed vegetation that is like in these tight compact kind of mounds that then is burnt like i said yeah and um you know i would say for for most people for their first foray into peated whiskey that is usually how they would describe the flavor would be as smoky now as you get further into it try a lot of different ones you will detect a little bit more nuance in there you'll figure out which one is smoky and which is just like mineral or earthy or vegetal like there's there's so many words that can be thrown around uh but for for the sake for argument's sake and for the sake of brevity um when you see peated whiskey you're generally going to be in for a lot more of a smokier flavor now this can range from lightly peated which is more subtly peated it's got smoke interlaced throughout and you'll be able to detect a lot more of the other flavors if it's your first foray into it and then you've got peated or heavily peated and i suppose most people's first impression of that is just like sticking your head in a fireplace like yep. you just get like really smack in the mouth with smoke which some people love some people not so much again i think the the only thing we can stress is just experience as your friend here try as many as you can and if there's any you haven't liked upon that first initial um, experience, try something different. Try something similar. Like try, a, if you didn't like a peated Laphroaig, for example, try a Lagavulin, try an Ardbeg. Like 
try Talisca. Like there are so many different ways. Like don't let one experience turn you off a particular type of whiskey. Yeah, exactly right. Because you just never know what you're going to like, right? You might find that you're a closet peathead. So yeah, exactly. Now, the two other things I would tack on to this would be bourbon, which is made in a particular region of America. And I believe the mash bill has to be at least 51% corn. And proof is a term typically used in American whiskey, um, usually bourbon, and it is the measure of alcohol content. Now, to convert that to something us in Australia or people in Europe or really like most other places in the world, um, you'll see ABV. So it's usually that alcohol, that like number with a percentage. Um, again, it's it's hard to apply uh, standards because different countries have different standards. Usually a whiskey is above 40%. Yeah. Um, if we're converting that into proof, that would be 80 proof. Yeah. If you see something that's 100 proof, that's about 50% ABV. So alcohol by volume, again, is that to throw another terminology to you. But these are the things that if you, if from this you decide to get into whiskey and you subscribe to the pod, which we heavily recommend you do, we will be, we refer to a lot of these, we use a lot of these terms throughout our episodes and you'll hear them in different whiskey communities, even just in bars and pubs. Like it just almost becomes second nature to, to use these terms that I feel like can be somewhat alienating to to newcomers into it which is why again we're putting this episode on now the last whiskey i feel like is probably important to mention but by no means the last whiskey worth considering is rye whiskey this is another one that a lot of people you'll probably see a lot of and it's just important to know that like rye is a type of grain and so if we're talking rye whiskey this is uh whiskey is predominantly um from the us and canada but you can find it in other uh, countries as well. Like I know in Australia here, we've had a couple of ryes yep. come out recently. And this is a mash of at least 51% rye and it's aged in charred barrels for a minimum of two years. So I mentioned rye is a grain, but it, it is a type of grass that's a member of the wheat family. So so still within within that realm and therefore still able to be called whiskey. Yeah. And I think most people's exposure to rye would be a Sazerac. Right. So, mm-hmm. and most of your well-known cocktails, like a Manhattan or a Boulevardier, they're made with rye typically. Um, yep. So you may have already had an experience with, uh, with rye whiskey and you were wondering what was that whiskey? It tasted really different to yeah. like a bourbon or a single malt or a scotch that I've had before. And that's the reason why. Yeah. And another thing, like, I suppose kind of just to wrap up this, types of whiskey if you're trying it either if you're going out to buy a bottle i know my first impressions of like my first approach to it was i didn't want to buy something too expensive in case i didn't like it or if i went to a bar i wanted to order something relatively um on the lower end because i was just trying it but then again you sorry but then again you're probably going to find that these ones usually aren't the highest quality and you have to try a few different things to really work out what you like in terms of what type of whiskey, but also what uh, percentage of alcohol whiskey, as well as what types of cask too. So there's, there's like so many variables here, which again is can be quite overwhelming, but this is where, again, we would recommend if you've had a drink that you haven't particularly liked, don't let that turn you off that particular type of whiskey or that particular cask, because you could find one that is your absolute favorite that's just 
from a different region or from a di- had a different kind of approach in its distillation or aging. So yeah, don't don't close any doors, especially early on in the process. Now, jumping on to ways that whiskey can be drunk. Now, this is, I suppose, this terms these terms are usually found in bars. If you're ordering a whiskey, either you can order it in one of these particular ways, or if you order a whiskey, the bartender may ask you which way you would like it. Now, to start off, we've got neat, which is whiskey in a glass. No ice, no water, no mixes. Simple as that. Like as as low fast as possible. I would say Brad and I usually lean more towards neat. Yep. Um, with the way we drink. Now the next option is on the rocks. So this is where ice is placed in a glass, whiskey is poured over ice. That's 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 the drink. <laughs> that's just what whiskey on the rocks means. Yep. Now you've got up. So like the direction up. <laughs> and this is whiskey served in a chilled cocktail glass. Now, this is something I haven't really come across. I don't think it's as common here in Australia. I have heard it used a lot more in America, possibly in Europe, but hard hard to say. I just, it's it's a style of whiskey you can, you can order. Now you can yeah. order whiskey. Yeah. yeah. And you'll typically hear this terminology when it's maybe if you're ordering like a whiskey cocktail and they might ask you, how would you like the cocktail served? Um, and you know, whether you'd like it on the rocks, like in a hefty rocks glass with ice, or would they might wonder if you want it up and that's when they'd give you it in a cocktail glass where it's been chilled. Yeah. So again, that chilled, um, I suppose the benefit of that is it, it provides a little bit more elegance, but also you're cooling the whiskey down using the glass, not ice in it, which will by its very nature, melt and add more water to the whiskey. So I suppose yep. that's that's why you may choose one over the other there. Now you can order whiskey with a splash. This is just a few drops of water, which is added to the whiskey once it's poured in the glass. Alternatively, you can order it with water back. Now this is usually where you get the whiskey neat and then you get given a glass of water on the side and that way you can control how much water you want to add we would usually recommend this if you're ordering a whiskey that is maybe 50 percent or higher because especially if you're not really comfortable with or not familiar with like where you like your whiskey at this allows you to add water to it until you find it reach that um level that you're comfortable with and lastly you've got whiskey with a twist now this is where you've got whiskey poured over ice so whiskey on the rocks finished with a twist of citrus it's usually going to be lemon i would say by default it's lemon however you can however like the bar may defer to one of the other citruses they have on hand whether that's lime or orange um, or you can request it like if you want it to be fancy and if you know the bar has it maybe ask with a twist of grapefruit like that could add a, a unique um flair to your whiskey ordering um just be aware that like with the, the the way you approach this it can come across as pretentious yeah <laughs> i know because i felt that for sure <laughs> and even that it's just i don't think um with a twist is too common here either in australia i don't really hear that um all too no, often, i feel like it's so yeah yeah it's probably more something that would have to be by request as opposed to offered by default <laughs> yeah because again you just Causing extra work for something that should be a super easy for the bartender when you're ordering a glass of whiskey. They're probably just expecting to either 
chuck one ice cube in the glass and pour the whiskey or pour the whiskey as is. They're not expecting <laughs> to have to go get the citrus out and garnish your whiskey. Um, so yeah, they're, they're probably not expecting that. Yeah, and one thing I will say is something I usually don't um, provide unless asked or prompted is what the best way to drink whiskey is. Because the answer to that is just whatever way you like to drink it. Like really whatever way you find it enjoyable, that's the way you drink it. Don't feel pressured into it. Don't feel because you're ordering something that's of a particular price that you therefore have to drink it neat if you're not enjoying it like that add some water, add some ice, add a bit of a mixer, like really whatever way you want to drink it, that's the way you should. Um, if you were to ask us what our preferred way is, I, again, as I mentioned, I would defer to neat. I would most likely also have water to add a little bit of water, like maybe water back. Um, but they're, they're, that's where I prefer it. However, Brad and I have been experimenting with cocktails lately. So we've yeah. been really throwing quite a few of our our whiskeys that some people would cringe at being used as a cocktail mixer. Yeah. But- and even like, like you said, like with water back, that's like a great way as well to kind of not only understand where your preferred tolerance is at when it comes to those higher rated whiskeys that are sitting above 50%. Um, but it's also a way for you to understand what water does to whiskey as well, because mm-hmm. as you're adding water, not only does it dilute the whiskey, but in some cases, more or different flavors get, you know, unlocked in that whiskey. And if you weren't adding water, you wouldn't know that that's something that happens. Yeah. And if I was to provide one last tip in this field, it would be to um, be conservative when adding water. Like you can always add more. You can't really take it out. So it is, it is, use it as science, like add a little, add a drop, then add another drop like add a drop and taste it then add another drop and taste it like yep. you'll you'll be amazed at how something so little can go like such a long way in terms of the effects it causes yeah and going on to some i guess misnomers before we jump on to other terminology that you've probably heard and we haven't either gone over or something that we haven't mentioned yet but yeah you know Something that I've gotten asked a couple of times, actually, when I've hosted whiskey things at my house is, does the whiskey age once it's been bottled? Like if I see a 10-year-old, it's like, and that 10-year-old's been sitting on your shelf for like five years, is it a 15-year-old now? Sadly, the answer is no. no. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work like that. The, the glass bottle doesn't really do anything to your whiskey. And the good thing is, though, whiskey has a really long shelf life. So as long as you're looking after it properly, you've got it stored correctly, it's not in direct sunlight, it's not exposed to the elements, then you're probably going to enjoy that bottle in, you know, 20, 30 years and it's going to taste more or less the same. So it's you may good. have a little less in it than you started. Yeah. Because Angel Share still still works in the in the glass. Like there's no, nothing's going to stop evaporation. Um, I know you've got more to say, but I suppose I should just jump yep. in with that that definition um, since I used it, which is angel share. Now, this is typically referred to whiskey that's lost in the cask due to just a natural process of evaporation. And you'll usually find this happens um, typically, like they say it typically happens once a year, but I'm going to say it's probably because they they measure the amount of whiskey in there once a year. But during that whiskey uh, maturation season, which is when the large fluctuations in temperature happen that draws the whiskey into the wood then out of the wood as part of that process 
whiskey evaporates. Um, it, for Scotland, statistically, it's usually about 2% each year, um, but that can expand the, like that can increase the, the longer it goes on um, just because there's more room in the cask then. So there's more room for the um, molecules to, to move around and dissipate once it's, once those temperatures increase and change. But yeah. Yeah. And another thing as well, like moving on would be, and I'm sure you've all seen this, right? Where it's sometimes it's spelt with an E, sometimes it's not like what's the right way to spell whiskey or sometimes you'll see whiskey with the E in brackets. And yeah, that I'd say the general consensus is that Scottish distilleries or Scotch will tend to spend spell their whiskey without the E and everyone else will typically use the E. Now there are some exceptions to that where um, Scotland, where Canada and Japan as well will typically remove the E as well. But yeah, for the most part, everywhere else will add the E in. Yeah, I think you'll you'll usually find the largest consensus for including the E is in America and Ireland. Yeah. Um, in Australia, I feel like we, we're kind of, we're more, I would say 80-20, like 80% yeah. without the E, 20% with the E. Um, and, you know, it, it, it seems like it's a contentious issue. I usually just go with whatever spell check provides me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, no one's going to kill you for spelling it. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, and if they are, they're they're a prick. You probably don't want to be. Drinking yeah, with them anyway. <laughs> don't don't waste your time. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be drinking with them anyway. No. So yeah, it, it's such a non-issue, but it's definitely something yeah. you're probably wondering about. Like, is there some hidden meaning behind it or something? No, I'm there isn't. It's not. No. <laughs> um, and I suppose the last thing I would add to this section here is. Another question I don't usually, another um, point I don't usually address, like if someone makes this mistake, I'll let it slide just because I don't feel like it's worth the hassle. Um, it's only if people will ask it, but like, what's the difference between scotch and whiskey? Like, I'm sure we've all had those people who, because scotch is such a strong term for whiskey, it's almost become synonymous with whiskey. So a lot of people use yep. that to refer to whiskey from different places. And it's one of those things I'll usually let slide just because like, it's not, it's not essential to, to the discussion on their enjoyment of, of it. But yeah. if someone asked me, what's the difference between scotch and whiskey? That's when I would, I would explain like scotch is whiskey that is distilled and matured in Scotland. Whereas whiskey can be created using that same process anywhere else in the world. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. As soon as someone asks that question, you kind of see the little light bulb ding above <laughs> Daniel's head and he, he rolls out the scroll of truth. <laughs> and then it's uh, non-stop. It's non-stop from there. You can't stop the train once it's left the station. Um, but yeah, some other terminology as well you might hear is DREM, affectionately, part of the name of the podcast that you I know mean. and love. <laughs> it's a, a Scottish colloquialism that has come to refer a single serving of whiskey. So the amount that determines a single serving can vary. So in a bar, typically won't vary because... They'll, they'll probably want to extend the shelf life of the bottles that they pay money for. But, you know, at a they friend's house, um, it can be either very heavy or very light, depending on the stinginess <laughs> of your friends. But I know at mine or Daniel's, the bore of a standard serving or a single serving. We'll make some pretty, buttons faint. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it can vary. I'd say it's probably more generous than 
one you'd find in a bar. But then I'd say the main issue is as the night goes on, it tends to get more and more generous. So yeah, it gets yeah. a little iffy. <laughs> like if if you go to a friend's house and you ask them for a dram and they pull out a jigger to measure 30 mils, I would say leave. However, <laughs> the only exception to that would be if they've lined up a bunch of whiskeys for you to try and they want to measure the pores to make sure you get the lo- the most enjoyment out of all of them. Yeah. Is the only exception where using that in a domestic setting is acceptable. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're making a cocktail too. Like yeah. that, that is that is the other one. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say unless you're making a cocktail or your friends need that reach a bartender or a closet bartender, <laughs> then you know what, that's fine. They probably have jiggers on all their hard. bottles. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just on all their bottles in the house. So you can't you can't knock them for that. Uh yeah, another thing you might see is STR on a bottle of whiskey. Now if you're new into the world of whiskey, this is probably something you're not going to come across. But then in the setting where you are at a friend's place that may be into whiskey and they've got an extensive collection, then you're, you're probably more likely to run into this. And it essentially means shaved, toasted, and recharred. And this is essentially a method of cask rejuvenation. So it's a way to get more of the characteristics of that cask into the whiskey. So... Yeah, so if the if because I know like a lot of this came from I think Jim Dr. Jim Swan was the the whiskey expert who developed this process, and it was at a time when uh, red wine casks were in like abundance and they didn't want to have whiskey matured in red wine casks. So what they did is they shaved the outside of the the staves, which are those um, each of the panels of the the cask itself. So they dismantled the cask and then on the inside where the wine had been touching the cask itself. They shaved that outside layer. Then they toasted it to caramelize the sugars in the wood and then charred it to kind of really crystallize that and provide like a layer for which the whiskey can really easily go into and out of the wood to start pulling out those flavors. And then what you're going to get is more of those uh, caramel sugars from the wood, as opposed to, I suppose, the red fruity grapiness that the, the outer layer that was shaved off previously held from the red wine. Or from whatever else may have been in that cask that has been STR'd. Yeah, and that's probably most of what we wanted to go over and squeeze into this episode here to get you started into the world of whiskey or even get you across the line in that first whiskey setting. Yeah, and there's 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 still so much. Like we could we could go on for literally hours on this, and you see our entire back catalogue as supporting evidence. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll probably do another um, like a part two of this just to cover some of those more um, detailed, nuanced terms once you've got these down pat. So um, you know, if you need to rewind a bit, listen to some of the key definitions, get them down pat, then head out to your local whiskey bar, order a whiskey water back, experiment, try it out. Yeah, and the, I think the main takeaway that you should have from today's episode is that when you're going into the world of whiskey, experimentation is key and it's your friend. You do not want to fall into the trap of trying something and then basing your entire whiskey experience off of that one poor experience or even good experience. You want mm-hmm. to keep exploring. You want to keep finding what else there is out there because you're never going to be able to drink it all. Daniel and I are trying and we're not even making a small dent in it. Yeah. And and it is your journey as well. So do it how you like, like don't let anyone 
even us tell you exactly how you should do it. <laughs> but maybe us. <laughs> but maybe listen to us, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hit that subscribe button. <laughs> yeah, so that's all we have time for today, ladies and gentlemen. So if you'd love to get into contact with us, you can always reach out to us at Drem Talk Podcast on Instagram or you can shoot us an email at dremtalk.au at gmail.com. Now, our glasses may be empty. We hope yours aren't. And if they are, pour another dram! dram!